This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Episode 13, Beer Brewing. In this episode, Adam and Peter discuss beer brewing. Peter has engaged in the art and science of homebrewing and has a lot of questions. Hey, Adam. Hey, Peter. What's uh, happening? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to ask you to go ahead and talk about something not related to business or technology. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Be great. <laughs> That'd be great. I'm going to need so. you to come back in on Saturday. <laughs> And Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) So today for our topic, we have decided to branch out a little bit and to discuss a, uh, I don't know, would you call this a a passion, a hobby, a pastime? What what would you, how would you describe it for you? All three, yes. All three, okay. (laughs) For me, it's an occasional beverage and uh, has just sort of started to become a hobby once and what we're talking about is beer homebrew beer home brewing beer yes now the reason that that has just become a uh, hobby of mine is i have made one and exactly one batch of my own beer uh, <laughs> it was a uh, christmas present that my godson and uh, his uh, parents gave me uh, it was a brewing kit little uh, everything you need to get started because mm-hmm. I had asked him about brewing and uh, brewing beer and stuff. And uh, then when we started putting together the notes for this podcast, you made a uh, an outline of things. And one of the things you put on the topics uh, topics list was brewing your own beer. And I said, that's weird. I don't, I, I don't remember telling you that I had just gotten into that, Adam. Well, why'd you put that on there? And you said, oh, I've been doing, making my own beer for years. And I was like, well, all right then. <laughs> so, um, what, why, why, why beer? Why'd you start brewing your own beer? What, what led you to that? Well, I kind of ended up doing it the same reason that you did. My my mother got me a beer brewing kit, and and it was awful. Was I mean, she trying it, to tell you something? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you need to drink more. But I mean, it was in a plastic. Uh, it came with a plastic container to do yep. the primary fermentation, then plastic bottles to store the beer, yep. and uh, it was not very good. But it, it it got me it got me started enough that I went out and bought a bought a real kit. Okay. Well, uh, it sounds like I'm uh, behind you, but on the same course because uh, I got a uh, a kit, and I guess there's no no harm saying it. It's a Mister Beer brewing kit. Mister Beer, cool. Yeah beer and it comes with a little keg albeit a translucent plastic keg <laughs> and uh everything you need you know like the 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 mix the malt the uh the barley the hops it's all like in a syrup in a can mm-hmm. and uh the yeast is in a separate little packet which i jokingly say you know looks like a condom wrapper <laughs> and, uh, and then some sugar it and won't help plastic <laughs> The sugar, yeah. <laughs> the um, uh, the plastic bottles that you mentioned, mm-hmm. 
So um, I made my first batch, and the first uh, the the starter kit I got came with two batches. There was a Czech Pilsner and a uh, like a Mexican cerveza. So they call it Aztec something or other. Yeah. So um, I got it. I uh, opted for the Czech Pilsner because you know I generally like Belgian whites and German beers, and I figured well Czechoslovakia is slightly closer to Germany <laughs> than. Mexico, so maybe it'll taste more like that. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it was okay. I mean, you know, for my very first batch of beer, I won't, I won't knock it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did notice, though, is I thought it came out a little flat. And after I brewed it, I did use, I used all the, you know, everything right out of the kit. So mm-hmm. everything they did everything they said to do, uh, including bottling it in my own, you know, plastic bottles with screw tops. Right. So yeah, I mentioned that to you, and you know they seem tight and everything. But mm-hmm. what, what's what's the deal with with plastic bottles and screw tops when you're making your own beer? Well, when you're when you're doing self carbonating like that, you've mm-hmm. got to have a little bit of yeast that's still alive in there, and then yep. you got to have enough sugar for the yeast to eat to generate carbonation. It's not going to generate enough um, alcohol to increase the alcohol content. It's just enough to make bubbles in the beer. So there's two things that could have happened. You could have, one, the caps didn't seal as tight as they need to. I kind of doubt that. Um, And I kind of doubt that you didn't have enough yeast still in the container. (coughs) Because (coughs) unless you let it sit for like a month and all absolutely all of the yeast died out and went away you should have had enough so you probably didn't have enough sugar to generate enough carbonation in the bottles or you or you got to it too soon because the the yeast was growing so slowly Mm -hmm. it hasn't had a chance to carbonate yet yeah, I mean, I timed it. Yeah, I forget exactly how long you're supposed to wait. You know, but it's like a couple of three week periods in between when you you know start the process and bottle it and let it sit for a while. Um, but um, I added sugar. They the the Mister Beer Kit includes sugar clumps. You know, so you just add that in. So okay. should have had enough sugar. And when I was done. Um, there was a little bit of residual yeast was still at the bottom of the ba- uh, of the the bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, now, whether or not it was alive at that point, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty yeasty to start. I mean, when you first added the yeast packet to the warm solution, you know, it, mm-hmm. it was active. You know, it was bubbling yeah. all over the place. Um, and I checked the you know the temperature was a big thing maintaining a constant mm-hmm. temperature. Um, I know it fluctuated a little bit from time to time, but I kept it in my furnace room, figuring that would be the the most constant temperature in there because mm-hmm. it's always warmer. Mm-hmm. And I had a little thermometer checking it, and it was always within you know a few degrees of optimal. I forget what the range. I think they said like ideally it should be like between sixty eight and seventy four or something. I, yeah, that right? okay. For for an ale yeast, I I think it's like sixty eight to seventy eight. I think it's like a ten degree. Okay, is in that range. So um, you know it stayed stayed pretty good. But uh, you know I, I did leave town a few times for a few days, and I'm sure that the temperature had dropped then and. Um, I didn't uh, know, like, one trick you can do is stick the keg into a uh, a cooler 
of some sort, you know, because it's going to even even though it's not cold, the the, uh, the insulation mm-hmm. will keep the the temperature more steady. Yeah. So yeah, I learned a couple of things, but like I said, all in all, I thought the first effort was okay. Yeah. Um. So I decided that they were having a sale, and then I found out that the company there, the Coopers that order them, and Mister Beer, they have sales like all the time. Yeah. So, uh, but they had one uh, which was pretty decent. So I bought a few of their uh, Belgian white kits because Belgian whites tend to be my favorite type of beer. So uh, I have not yet started on that just yet because uh, I wanted to get your input on how to properly, uh, you know, make sure that this second batch doesn't get all stale on me. Um, but uh, also I was curious, like I have a bunch of wine bottles because I have been drinking red wine pretty regularly now. So I have a lot of spare wine bottles. Can mm-hmm. I use those for my beer? Yes, you can. Uh, the You've got to have a capper. That was my question, was how exactly do I go about capping these things? Because if I just stick a wine bottle cork in there, something tells me that's not going to stay. It's not going to stay. And you're, so you're going to have to put together a Belgian-style top, Belgian top. So you're going to have to cork it, and then you're going to have to, uh, the silver crimp, yeah, like a champagne bottle. And gotcha. you do those on top. See, I did that uh, for my Christmas presents this year. Um, okay. I bought 750 milliliter bottles and did the Belgium cork and capped it and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was a big pain in the rear. <laughs> I, I won't do that again. Because I, I had to spend 90, well, I spent $99 on buying a corker. So I had to have a corker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to spend money on the corks. Then I had to spend money on the tops. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it was a hassle. It was kind of cool. Everybody thought it was really cool. It was a nice gift, yep. but I wouldn't do it for myself again. Yep. Um, and I ended up giving the my mom brews her own. Well, she makes wine, so I ended up giving her my uh, corker. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I, you know, I did the math. And if you look strictly at the cost of ingredients, then, you know, you can save a bundle of money by making mm-hmm. your own beer, presuming that your time is worthless. Yeah. <laughs> my time is not worthless. <laughs> so, you know, it was fun the first time. And, I, you know, I'm definitely going to do it again. I bought further, you know, uh, extra kits. Mm-hmm. But um, I can't see myself see myself spending lots of time doing this all mm-hmm. the time. And plus, with the with the diet that I'm on now, really, I'm only you know allowed to drink beer once per week, you know, on a Saturday. Yeah. So you make when with this with this brewing kit that I got, you make six or seven, eight. I forget how many, how many, uh, you know, what it comes out to, but like six or seven bottles, eight bottles, seven hundred fifty milliliters. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of beer to drink in a weekend, you know. <laughs> yeah. So 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 my beer stayed for a while, and but unlike wine, beer doesn't keep forever, you know. Yeah. So you don't want to just have it. Oh, this is some beer I made two years ago. Try it out. <laughs> you know, it was a very good year. <laughs> so. Um, what do you think? What's uh, what's a good time time frame after you after you brew beer? How how long can you keep it before it should be consumed? Well, depending on what type of beer you did and what you bottled it in, uh, your really your beer can last 
18 to 24 months without any without any flavor consequences as long as you did the right things all along now if you uh, you know you get beyond that you're just taking your chances uh, but, <laughs> but see I'll do I really like darks uh, so I like porters and stouts and I can store a stout for two or three years uh, without a problem in my basement and as long as as long as you don't mind that there's less carbonation because the carbonation is going to leak out through the rubber seal as mm -hmm. it, you know as it goes uh, but that doesn't bother me because I drink my beer more European style I, I'll drink it at basement temperature uh, with or without carbonation I'm okay um, but even my beer um, even my I've got a chocolate cherry porter down here I believe it's two years old now uh, it is it's a nice brew you, you know, if you come to Nashville you'll have to uh, you'll have to get some of that come back you mean I've been there yeah <laughs> the last time we weren't drinking beer we were just eating chicken yeah burning <laughs> very, hot chicken. very hot chicken <laughs> well and so so your little your kit you're still brewing with the the kit that you got as the gift uh, that was the plan. I haven't started the second round just yet. Uh, I'm taking a trip this weekend, so I was thinking of kicking it off before I left town mm -hmm. and then uh, coming back. And I forget, you, you you start it once and then you just leave it. Pretty much you just check on it, right? And then you check on it in, in like three weeks afterwards is when you start doing stuff again? Well, you want to do your primary fermentation, which yep. should, should last a week. So five okay. to seven days and then yep. the primary will stop. And okay. then you'll you'll top that off, you'll rack that off and move it into secondary fermentation. Uh -huh. And then that one can last two to three weeks, depending. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Then. Mm -hmm. And then you'll, um, then you'll bottle it at that point. So if you kicked it off now, you've got, you've got seven days until, until mm -hmm. you got to do anything with it. Get... Right. But I'll tell you, I think that the beer that comes, I've, I haven't had one of those kits other than my first kit, which I did like 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> But the, you know, I do, went to my local home brewer, you know, store and got the, uh, the pale ale, P-A-L-E. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah the, no, not, not pale ale like the beer, but they call it an ale pale. Uh, <laughs> okay. For, for beer making. And uh, so if you got a five gallon bucket and a glass carboy and the peripherals that went with what's that. A, what's a carboy? Carboy is the big glass bottle. Okay. So, um, and it's a it's a five gallon. It'll well, it's it's actually like a six six gallon if you take it all the way to the top. But you don't you don't. Got to leave a little room. Yeah, you got to leave a little room. Mm -hmm. uh, because the plastic, um, even commercial or even restaurant grade plastic, mm -hmm. is broken down with the oxidation that occurs during ah. fermenting. Okay. So. In your primary fermenter, that's why you don't leave it longer than seven days because it'll start breaking down the plastic and making it taste like plastic and other oh, things. Oh, yum. Plastic beer. <laughs> Synthetic beer, even. Yeah. So that's why you put it in the glass carboy, and then in the carboy, it'll sit for, for two weeks just really brewing and you know developing stronger taste at that point and getting all the flavors together mm -hmm. and if you really want a clean beer you'll end up even doing a third fermentation which is just really letting that sediment fall out 
It's pretty good. I have a really good book, um, and it's Homebrew for Dummies. Homebrewing for Dummies. For Dummies, okay. You know, I, I actually... I don't actually mind the four dummies books, but this is actually a really good book and it's got some recipes in there and it's got enough geek stuff, you know, like things that you really want to know and understand about beer that if you're really into it, you'd be like, yeah, that's awesome. Or you, <laughs> some people don't care. I just want to make beer. <laughs> things you were, things you, that, that uh, you uh, wanted to know about beer brewing, but were afraid to ask. <laughs> yeah. 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 I actually called a, uh, I was actually beer and wine up there in, in Boston. There's a, or in Massachusetts, there's a good beer store up there and I'll order recipes from there. Yep. Is, uh, is it in Boston proper or is it in Cambridge? I've heard of one uh, in um, uh, right in uh, Cambridge. I think it's on uh, I think it's on Mass Ave near Kendall Square near uh, MIT area. If it's the one I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll look up the address, but, but it's beer and wine, and they've got some really good recipes. And I've bought stuff from them. I bought bottles from them. Mm-hmm. But I called up there one time, and I I said to the guy, I said, you know, I'm I'm get, looking at this recipe of yours and the high gravity beer and I'm thinking about doing uh, a tertiary fermentation. What do you think? And he said, how many brews have you made? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. At this time, maybe three or four. I don't, I don't know. He said, just stick to the basics. What <laughs> <laughs> trying to accomplish here? <laughs> so... So that's interesting. So, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out like why, like, like for me, it it wasn't very hard. And I think the biggest thing about it is like, uh, you know, the novelty and the conversation factor. You know, I gave bottles away to my neighbors and Mm -hmm. everybody loved it and had some friends over and we had a beer and like, yeah, I made this myself. And that was the, like the cool thing. Um, but frankly, I uh, given a choice between the the beer that I made, and again it was a Czech Pilsner, and say a bottle of Harpoon's UFO White, uh, <laughs> I take the UFO White any day. No, no question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm assuming by now you're not just buying kits. Are you like assembling your own ingredients, or or do you still do kits where everything's pre mixed, or or what do you do? I kind of go with the uh, the pre-made kits. I really like Brewer's Best kits, um, okay. but I also make adjustments to them. You know, because okay. they've got uh, the Brewer's Best has a really good quality. They stick with uh, their there's very all all of the you got liquid malt extract and you got your dry malt extract, and mm-hmm. there's very little adjuncts, meaning uh, rice or um, there's another one so you it's it's got the high quality stuff you know the good malts in it and then if i want to modify the flavoring a little bit i might change out the yeast i always buy liquid yeast i don't i don't go with the uh the yeast that comes in the kits and and brewer's best has changed it but when i was buying it first on they just put a generic ale yeast in there so you didn't get so if you were making a an amber cerveza um, you're using regular grains, but you're using a German ale yeast. Mm-hmm. 
So that's what made it a cerveza because when the Germans went to Mexico, they took their yeast strains with them, and that's mm -hmm. what became the cervezas. But um, so if you're making a cerveza, you want that yeast to match up with the Mexican beer taste. Where okay. if you got that just generic yeast, it's just it ferments, but it doesn't add any flavoring to okay. it. Okay. So, so that's that's interesting that you mentioned that. I I have not studied you know like the origins or the roots of beers or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and and frankly, if you you know told me to tell you the difference between an ale and a lager and a pilsner and a stout, I think I know most of those. <laughs> but I'm not gonna pretend that I do by any stretch. You know, I, I know what I like, and it's kind of interesting you mentioned that though, because like I said, I love Belgian beers and German style beers mm -hmm. and um, I've been uh, okay with uh, some of the Mexican varieties too so maybe that's the yeasty you know maybe that's the consistency there mm -hmm. between the two that I like um, I detest the taste of hops <laughs> so well, we agree talking, there <laughs> yeah so when you're talking about a pale ale uh, you know or an IPA uh, yuck. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was wondering, but like, again, like uh, when I said, when I started with this, um, you know, first kit that I got really the, you know, the, the, um, the barley, the, the malt, the hops was all in a liquid, you know, form in a can. Okay. Um, and the yeast is, was just in a little packet and then the sugar I added later and then there was water and that was it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as far as like complexity goes, it was pretty darn simple. Mm -hmm. Then people say like, well, you know, you can start to change things up a little bit. So like you're saying, you, you may buy a, a the base, you know, the, 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 the main, the main mixture that you get, you might vary that, or you use that, but then you vary like the yeast that you use. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting because obviously, you know, have, being one whole batch in, I haven't experienced <laughs> <Yeah. much> these. <laughs> but um, I was wondering, like, where do you start? Where does the variance begin? Where do you start to, you know, like change it up a little bit and say, mm -hmm. okay, you know, well, that didn't that didn't taste as so, uh, you know, so good last time. So how is one to determine what they want? to change i mean is it as simple as like i recognize the flavor of yeast so i'm going to use a different flavor of yeast that i like the flavor of better mm -hmm. or, or is that is it that simple yeah yeah i mean you're familiar with alton vance right the food guy not really uh well he's he's really focuses on like why foods taste a certain way and why they texture and the science of it. Okay. So there's a little bit of science that you apply to the mm -hmm. beer brewing that you kind of have to think like a like a chef almost. Okay. Well, no, I mean exactly like a chef. So <laughs> not almost. <laughs> yeah. So if you so what I generally do is I'll make if I'm going to make a new batch, I'll make the first batch like the like the instructions say. Mm -hmm. uh, with the exception, if it's if it's going to be something I've already experimented with, I know what this method's going to do. Like, there's a method called sparging, where sparging. <laughs> sparging it sounds worse than it is. <laughs> where you're, you know, like you've got grains and you are, so you've done it with grains and you pull the grain bag out and then you ladle water through or no you pour cool water through the bag to 
pull more grain, stuff out like that. So I may make a decision based on what I want, whether I actually sparge it or I just do it the way that I've always done it. Um, and then there are things like, um, like I like uh, stouts. So one time I made this uh, recipe called a, the base recipe was called a Mad Monkey Chocolate Stout. <laughs> <laughs> so, monkey chocolate stuff. Okay. So yeah. I wanted a uh, chocolate cream stout. So I figured out. I took that basis, that base recipe. It had the chocolate. It had the stout. But I wanted cream, and I wanted it, and I wanted oatmeal too, actually, because oatmeal adds a mouthfeel. It adds a, it adds that smooth mouthfeel. You know, like if you've, uh, if you've ever drank oatmeal and milk, how that, you know, it just puts a nice thick mouthfeel in it. And then I wanted it to be a slightly sweet because I'm not a big hops guy like you, like you are. I mean, I, I have to have some hops in it to give it the flavoring. I got to get the flavoring mm -hmm. right, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to taste hops. I just want them to do what it's supposed to do. So mm -hmm. I bought, uh, so I wanted this sweet flavor, and I found out, okay, lactose sugar will not ferment. So you put the lactose sugar in there to give it that sweet aftertaste that you want, get the mouthfeel that you want, and then but then you've got a bitter chocolate beer on top of that. So it's a very complex, <laughs> complex thing. So so for someone like you, you just touched on what my next question was, like, I hate the, the flavor of hops. Mm -hmm. Can I just leave it out? What happens if I do that? Well, what you do, so um, most recipes include dry hops. So mm -hmm. it looks like rabbit pellets. Yep. So what you do is if, if, you, got, if you got a regular brew um, and it's not an IPA or something, you just got a Pilner or whatever, a mm -hmm. red, red ale, half those hops. I would just start by halving the amount of hops. Mm -hmm. So you've got your flavoring hops and then you've got your finishing hops. Yep. So you could either... Uh, what I would do is I'd half both of them. I'd half okay. the flavoring and then half the finishing. Or if you absolutely hate hops and all you want sweet is do the flavoring and don't put a finishing hops. Okay. Because now, of course, if you get it all in a liquid in a can, then yeah, you're kind of yeah. stuck. Yeah, you can't do anything about that. Yeah. And I've never heard of that. I mean, that doesn't that's doesn't mean anything because there are mm -hmm. there are lots of ways to brew beer. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would think that that would make a lot of hops because those oils are there in the malt the whole time. Well, yeah. Maybe they take that into consideration and use less. Maybe. You know, I don't know. Hold on one second. I'll, I'll go grab a can and show it to you. Okay. Of course, we might want to edit this part out because this is an audio-only podcast, and there's nothing, nothing worse than you know taunting our listeners, and teasing them, saying, "Hey, look, you can't see what we're seeing." Nice, Mr. Beer Bavarian Weissbier. Weissbier, yeah. Hopped extract. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So um, they, you know, they have the instructions on it here. 
Um, you know, it says brewing instructions, sanitize all your equipment, remove yeast from under the lid. That's the funny thing. You pop, pop the lid off of this. And, um, that was actually the hardest part getting this stupid lid off. Cause it felt like I was going <laughs> to, yeah. you know, make this thing explode all over. But underneath this, um, the, the plastic lid is a little, um, packet of yeast. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like the pull can top, like on yeah. the top, a can of cat food or sardines or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you uh, remove the yeast from under the lid and place this can as it is in hot tap water for mm-hmm. about 15 minutes. Yeah. So you're filling up, you know, heating up the can. Uh, place four cups of water into a four-quart pot. Bring it to a boil. Remove from heat and then slowly stir in the contents of the mm-hmm. can. Um, pour hot water into the can, uh, you know, clean it out. Uh, pour the hot contents into the keg. Add more cold water to bring it to exactly eight and a half quarts. So, you know, you're, you've got all these measurements. You just follow them out. Stir vigorously to mix well. Sprinkle in the yeast. Yeah, the yeast. Screw on the lid. Mm-hmm. Let it sit for seven days. Uh, 68 to 76 degrees is this one. Mm-hmm. Then, um, so uh, it says minimum seven days. Transfer beer from keg into bottles to approximately one and a half inches. Um, something missing here. There's no like let the thing sit in the bottle in the in the keg for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you let it sit for a minimum of seven days. Well, I thought it was a minimum of like twenty-one days when I made the first batch. Um, <laughs> Anyway, then you transfer into bottles, uh, add two and a half teaspoons of sugar, or like I said, with this kit, they give you little sugar mm-hmm. capsules, little pellets. Um, store the bottles out of direct sunlight for about two weeks, and then after two weeks, chill and enjoy. Chill and enjoy. So, theoretically, mm-hmm. then, if you read this these instructions, you could have beer done in as little as three weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe, I don't know. Cause I, I definitely may, that maybe that's what I did wrong. The first batch I had it sitting in the keg for three weeks. Yeah. So, but then yeah, I tasted it and I don't know. I was pretty sure that those instructions said though, you would sit there for three weeks, then bottle it and let it sit for another three weeks. Well, it's possible so, that during those three weeks, all the, all the yeast was dead or there was such a small amount. It took a lot longer to get carbonated. Yeah, not sure. I have to double check those instructions, but mm-hmm. definitely seems different than than what's on here. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, yep. And these oh, this also says best before September thirtieth, uh, twenty sixteen. So I better start brewing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, you mentioned because one of the things if you if you buy a kit, a bigger kit, uh, a homebrew kit, you know, I've got a. Shoot, I don't know. I guess it's like a four-gallon stainless steel pot that I use. Okay. And so, like, I have everybody does their beer a little bit different, Uh, but I only do one gallon of concentrate. So I start off with one gallon of water and boil that, and then I stir in my liquid malts and then my dry malts and then my grains. Well, I, I, always, I always steep the grains first until it gets to boiling. Uh, but So some people do a full five gallon. So they're boiling five gallons of water. They do it like on a, a turkey gotcha. cooker. Yep. And uh, I mean, and that's, that's fine, but the problem with that is you now have to cool five gallons of water 
mm-hmm. where I can get away with my concentrate. By the time I put everything in it, I may have a one and a half, maybe two gallons of wort, and I fill my sink with ice and then set the whole tub in there with ice. Gotcha. And it cools it down pretty quickly. And then I also fill, because I've only got two gallons at tops of boiling hot wort, mm-hmm. I put that in my five-gallon bucket, and then I'm filling it up with cool tap water. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, because I was wondering, you know, you, you see, if you do a little bit of searching, just, you know, look on YouTube or whatnot, you, you'll see some people get some, they get into this stuff. Yeah. You know, they have like <laughs> full-on brewery, you know, homebrew. It's not, we're, we're a lot more serious than, you know, me and my little uh, plastic uh, piggy bank <laughs> size keg here. Yeah. So here's a question then. Let's say I make one of these and I like this white beer, the uh, vice beer. Um, and then for my third attempt, I say, well, you know, like one of my uh, favorites is, uh, you know, like I said, the Harpoon, uh, they also make mm-hmm. a raspberry Hefeweizen. Okay. So if let's say I wanted to do raspberry flavor in my beer, how would I go about that? Is that something I can do using the, the, the equipment that I have, or do I need special equipment to make that happen, or what would I do? You could probably make it happen in your kit. You're going to have to take into account uh, the volume. What's the volume size? Um, I don't remember. It's not huge. Well, you're putting in, uh, let's see, I put four cups of water. A, I fill it to the four-quart mark. Eight-and-a-half-quart mark is, mark is what you fill it up to. So, that's so it's about a little over two gallons. Two gallons. Yep. Yeah. So you, what you would do, uh, you would find a Hefeweizen recipe that you like, mm-hmm. and then uh, I would, I guarantee you, Google it, you'll find more than one raspberry mm-hmm. Hefeweizen. Uh, but you'll probably do a standard Hefeweizen and then find a raspberry extract to put okay. in it. Okay. You wouldn't want to use real fruit. Okay. Um, and if you are going to consider real fruit, you need to. You need to read up and see what real fruit will actually do to the flavoring, mm-hmm. because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always come out as good as the fruit. Mm-hmm. And you want the extract. Like I always do, I do a that chocolate cherry porter. I do mm-hmm. a cherry extract in it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to take a little drink of the cherry extract, you'd be like, "This is awful." <laughs> 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 but when you but when you dump that concentrate in in five gallons, uh, it gives you an essence of cherry. You don't okay. you, you don't taste cherry. You just give an essence of it. Right. So you would need to find. Uh, so I, I mean, I do a Google search on a raspberry hefeweizen, and then uh, then of course you're almost going to have to half that recipe. Okay. But it might be easier for you to uh, to make the jump up to the five mm-hmm. gallon. Yeah, and then you'll have more beer to give away. (laughs) Well, one thing I, you know, I'll do is like I'll I'll just take the you know raw fruits and throw them right into my beer just as I go to drink it. Yeah. Yeah, So it's not uncommon for me to have like a handful of raspberries or blackberries or uh, you know depending on my mood, uh, you know, slice of orange or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'll you know I'll just throw it right into my um, my thing. I guess that's a German thing. My mom used to do that all the time. Mm -hmm. So. you know, I just didn't know. Obviously, it was going to be different if you're brewing it. You know, mm. it's not you know just like grab a handful of raspberries. Yeah, just throw them in there. You know, <laughs> but, but then again, maybe it isn't. I don't know. So. Yeah. Well, and and certain recipes you don't 
you wouldn't boil that stuff in there. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to put it, you don't even introduce it till the secondary fermentation, like the cherry right. extract. I don't put it in until I'm moving it to the secondary. Right. Um, things like blueberries, mm-hmm. they actually do translate pretty good from real fruit to, mm-hmm. to you know, straight to the brew. Okay. I think oranges actually do all right, too. I think you can use orange peels instead of actually the oranges mm-hmm. to get it, too. Yep. Um, but the, the other thing that you face is uh, you've got to you got to fight against the tannin, which mm-hmm. is the the acidic stuff that drops yep. out of the fruit and will sit at the bottom. Yep. But then there's of course there's uh, there's other little adjuncts to put in there to put it, uh, like the pectin haze. There's uh, stuff to put in there and it'll grab it. It'll hold of that sediment, hold onto that pectin sugar mess and mm-hmm. drop out. And it'll make like it real sponge. clear. Yeah. So like a, uh, I a put filter almost. <laughs> yeah. I put a peat moss. So I'll put peat moss in my beer to make that it. really doesn't sound appetizing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it doesn't have any flavor. Well, it does have flavor, but it, it <laughs> causes. This beer is great. What you use? Dirt. Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll I mean, cause... is, isn't that the stuff you use for gardening? Yeah, uh, yeah it helps. Okay, <laughs> just making sure. But it'll, it'll cause the... Uh, It'll cause the sediment to drop out. It looks... <laughs> so what did you put in this? Well, I used blueberries. What did you use in your newest batch? Oh, I used dirt. Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, when uh, back when I had a coffee shop, we were uh, looking for a local uh, Vermont chocolatier to uh, carry their chocolate in the coffee shop. And uh, I went and got some samples from one, and they had one that was uh, flavored with cardamom. And I gave Sam a sample, Sam, my, my right-hand man at my consultancy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, what do you think of this? And he tastes, he's like, tastes like dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, is that the flavor that I was going? Yeah, I guess that's the word I was trying to, but I didn't really know. And he's like, he looks at me, he's like, you never had brothers growing up, did you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is why Sam knows what dirt tastes like. Yeah. So, Say no more. So I misspoke. It's actually Irish moss. Oh, Irish moss. See, that sounds much more palatable than peat moss. It doesn't smell any better, though. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you wonder, you know, go back and it's like, what, what, uh, you know, how did this originate? It was funny because <laughs> I had just finished brewing my first batch and I was at uh, a friend's birthday party and I was talking with another gent there who brews his own beer. And he was saying how, you know, these things probably just came around by accident, you know, like stuff just started tasting, you know, that they just drank it one day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what it used to be was like everything, like beer used to taste like Bob's house. Mm-hmm. And and you know most likely if he made bread that did too and if he made <laughs> cheese that did too so you know it was like Bob's house beer Bob's house cheese Bob's house bread I'm seeing a theme here so <laughs> yeah. and it was funny because it made me think like you know back then if like this all this fermentation and this yeast and stuff was happening naturally. Whereas here we go to great lengths to sanitize everything. I mean, that's you, oh, you spend yeah. most of your time trying to clean everything up. But I, I'm wondering, you know, like a couple hundred years ago, it was like just, but you just 
leave some stuff lying out on the counter, throw it into a pail, and then, you know, a few weeks later you had beer? <laughs> well, you know, you are you are exactly right. Um, because there's a book, um, God and Guinness, by Stephen Mansfield, and he talks about the or- origination of beer, and he talks about how that's what they used to do. They used to take the sugars and malts and whatever they were going to, grains, and they threw it in a tub, they just threw it in a tub, and then yeast magically came from the air because they didn't know what caused it to ferment. From so, heaven, <laughs> fermentation from heaven. So it, this it would ferment and it bubble up and everything out, and, you, and you'd have this tub of beer. And what they would do is they would take straws and shove down through the you know the top sediment and garbage, but not go all the way to the bottom. And they drank. Th- that's how they drank the beer. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't know. Uh, they didn't know about yeast. It was either I forget now. It was either the 14th century or the 17th. I want to say it was 17th century when they finally discovered yeast and started, um, you know, cultivating it, using it, and understanding what it was. They just. Let it happen. Interesting beer fact. So, well, that that you know gives uh, gives way to the God. Uh, pr- beer is proof that God wants us to be happy. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, you just sit there and magically stuff becomes beer. What, what, what could be better, yeah. right? Yeah, it just happens. <laughs> it just happens. Well, there well, you go. That's a good book, though. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to read it, you know, they talk about uh, in well when the pilgrims came over. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say that there were seven, or th- eh, it was like four tons of the weight of the boat was beer because the the European water was was filthy. They, it was not sanitary to drink the water in Europe, so they assumed that that's what it would be like in the Americas. So they they brought beer to drink because they they figured the water would be bad here. But okay. the water was so filthy in Europe that they actually baptized in beer. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. You learn something new every day. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, well, I, I, if I was going to baptize somebody, I suppose I would want to use my own beer. I wouldn't want to just, you know, like buy a bottle of Budweiser for that. So. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Cool. All right. Well, I think you answered my question. So if I'm going to use my own bottles or something, I got to get a, a bottling, a, a capping kit, capper, capper type of thingamabobber there. Yeah. So I've got well, to. Uh, yeah. There are two kinds of cappers that you. Well, oh, for your, you're talking about your wine. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that if I were you. But yep. you, you feel free to if that's what you decide. <laughs> if you'd be better off doing the, the. 12 ounce bottles yep but i've got a a capper here oh, that's, that. it you just put a metal cap on you take both handles and then you squeeze it down on and it goes and that's pretty basic that comes with any beer brewing kit okay um that's good and then they also make a better one which is a wow. uh, it's got a handle it's I not that, that much more expensive and it's more consistent too mm-hmm. so you just put some put the bottle in it and then you pull down the handle and it caps it and And does that work with uh with a traditional 12 ounce beer bottle or with a larger like a wine bottle size thing too does it matter 
it won't do the wine because the wine's <laughs> just too tall, right. and and this is for caps only. Right. So the corker, the corker is actually an interesting uh, mechanism because what it does is, so you got the bottle down below, and you pull the handle, and as you're pulling the handle, it is squeezing the cork. So it's got right. it's got these four um, nylon pieces that are going in opposition, but they're they're shrinking the cork, and then it pushes down at the same time. And then when you re- it'll bottom out, and then when you release, it releases, and it has pushed the cork in there. You get the cork wet before you put it in there. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a, a, the cork soaker bit from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> be, be careful what you say now. <laughs> so, right. So that makes sense, though, because you know the, the cork has to be squeezed and then it expands on its own. So that makes sense. The mm-hmm. you know you just. Okay, so um, so capper sounds simpler than corker for sure. Mm-hmm. So and if you wanted to go really simple, you could do Grolsch tops. Okay. Do you know what that is? Tell me. Uh, maybe right. I, may, uh, you may even know if it. I do, even if I do, I'll bet you that we have at least one listener who does not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the Grolsch top is often called Grolsch because ah, yes. that's the way Grolsch does their their bottles. So it's yep. got a uh, kind of a leverage system and a little rubber stopper with a plastic bit on the top of it and when you release it it pops out yep. and uh but you don't have to have a capper for that but so, you need a, you need that type of bottle and cap system right it's, right you right. can't just you can't attach one of those to a, a bottle because it actually drills like right into the the glass yeah. of the bottle right yeah yeah yep. it's got dents in it so that you can um you put the little right. metal pieces in there. So it, I mean, I like these. The only thing about these is I don't give them away. Right. You got, you got to come to my house to drink them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a couple of those. I got some, um, yeah, a couple of beers or some ciders and stuff like that. So I can reuse those there. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, maybe, uh, maybe before I head out to fly out to Minneapolis, uh, this weekend, maybe I'll start this uh, second batch of beer and see how, how this goes. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I would recommend you buying the Home Brewing for Dummies because it yep. it's fun. Uh, it's actually a fun book to read. Yep. Anyway, cause you know how they make they make things fun. Yeah, no, the Dummies books have been all right. I don't I don't necessarily like to uh, you know consider myself a dummy when I'm starting stuff, but you know once I'm over that, it's <laughs> like all right, fine, whatever. I should say <laughs> Home Brewing for Ignorance. That's much better. <laughs> yeah. That's much better. <laughs> home brewing for ignorance yes we're not calling you dumb we're not calling you an idiot uh, we're just saying that you know you don't know anything about this yeah <laughs> so, so. cool all right well i think you answered my questions on beer okay well we'll and, have to uh, we'll have to have a follow-up when you uh get the next one in that's right. Well, it, it does seem a a theme in in many podcasts that I've listened to over uh, the years are recorded while the hosts are drinking beer. So uh, you know, we might have to start uh, doing these on a Saturday someday, so I can actually drink you know a beer on that day. My when my cheat day will allow for that. That'd be so, fine. Cool. All right. Well, until uh, next time, uh, happy brewing to you. Thanks. You too. <laughs> To contact either us or our guests, visit BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, 
do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.